Welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. This is the second section of our full interview with Amy Cullen. Amy is a seasoned treasury professional and had numerous leading roles in corporate treasury departments, such as Johnson Johnson, where she grew from business analyst to senior manager, capital markets and global cash analysis, or Car Troller, where she was the head of treasury. She also is the president of the IACT, the Irish Association of Corporate Treasurers, and a thought leader in the treasury industry. In the episode of today, expect to learn what is a best-in-class treasury center, what are the cost implications of treasury centers, why is Ireland such an attractive location for companies to establish their treasury center, and much, much more. Amy is amazing. She is full of insights, truly embodies her role as a leader, and the conversation is flowing. Hussam and I really enjoyed it, and we hope you will enjoy it as well. If that is the case, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. It helps the podcast a lot, only takes literally two seconds, and most importantly, makes Hussam and I very happy indeed. With all that being said, please welcome Amy Cullen. We've mentioned it a few, a few times, and uh, I think we, we can't wait to talk about it. Treasury centers in Ireland. Um, and maybe to, to begin with, Amy, um, can you, I mean, how would you define uh, a best in class treasury center? Best in class treasury center, I think, you know, the centralization, like obviously the optimum, as I mentioned, is the in house bank. So if you can really service the affiliates across the globe, you know, that is really to me would be best in class. I think if you have the automation, um, if you're centralizing your investments, if you have a way to identify and offset your currency exposures, so you're actually just trading whatever you need to trade, it's, you know, that to me is really best in class. Okay. And in terms of in terms of technology, what, what would you have exactly here? Like a fully optimized TMS connected through all the subsidiaries as likewise for the payment hub, this kind of stuff? Yeah, that's ideal. You know, if you have the treasury management system, it's fantastic. We were discussing earlier, you know, um, about treasury management systems and what you would look for. I think there is a trend towards the more modular treasury management system, which is great because you can actually then pick and choose what you need depending on your treasury, your size, what you do. I think that's great. And you do need somebody, though, to centrally decide what's the optimal but I think in terms of plugging that in now, again, the advancement in technology and the system providers being more willing to be a bit more agile, you can plug into cash, standalone cash forecasting models to dealing platforms. Most will go easily into an ERP without much need for development. And I think, you know, as much as you can plug in, the better, because you're reducing operational risk. You're not as dependent necessarily on people you know, straight through process, much better controlled, even when it comes to foreign exchange deals or uh, investments, if you can automate the confirmation back, it just gives that certainty, you know, again, that you, you're seeing everything that you need to see, but then also you're helping out your bank rec team, your accountants, because again, if you can take from the, the bank statement and you can auto-populate an ERP, again, it takes away a lot of that manual work and people have more time to analyze or to think about things. 
rather than just building out models and posting. And yeah, and gets away from very manual tasks and more focused on the analysis and added value of treasury. Exactly. Super clear. So we we talked earlier about so the, the talent aspects uh, and the preferred locations for treasury centers. Those doesn't sound like the like the cheapest, right? So are there any cost implications when it comes to treasury center? Because I guess the, the initial objective is to optimize treasury and so make it more efficient cost-wise and also provide more value into cash optimization, for instance, or like debt issuance and so on. So what are the aspects when it comes to cost efficiency into best-in-class treasury centers? What are you looking at? I think the going in as a corporate treasurer is corporate treasury is a cost center. Right, so you know you're going to cost. You try and bring the efficiencies, as you mentioned, yes, you know, with cash management, with the FX and, and reducing the number of transactions, reducing the number of bank accounts, not needing to go into the market to fund, you know, that all helps. Then you try and add value, you know, through that. How can I work with the business to get them to stand them up in a new market? You know, give them that bank account infrastructure or currency exposure or currency support that they need. You know, these are all the costs, but you see the the added value of the governance and of the the risk management and funding optimization. In terms of people, you know, as much as you can centralize, it obviously helps you then in terms of the IT infrastructure that you put in place. And so maybe you don't need as many people as you would have. And it goes back to what we discussed on the shared service centers, that you would probably go to a different location. If you feel you're going to be, you know, require a large team. So, yeah, I think in some ways we try and, you know, reduce the number of bodies within Treasury if you can through systems because it just makes it easier. And then Treasury is moving more towards a an advisory type function. So, Amy, sing us, sing us praise of Ireland specifically and everything that you've said. So tell us like specifically why Ireland um, is like a, a location which tends to attract these treasure, treasure centers so much. Yeah, I'll try and focus my glowing and the recommendation for <laughs> on Treasury. You know, like the example you gave of China, I think, God, it must be what, like 30 years ago now, the IFSC was born in Ireland. So it was a dedicated financial services center where a lot of companies were encouraged through tax incentives. And, you know, we had that headline rate of 10% encouraging people to do their financial dealings in Ireland. So you would put your your intercompany lending here, you would fund globally uh, through a centre in Dublin. And with that came the banks, right? So they came to support the the companies that decided to put their their finance services centre in Ireland. Those ancillary pieces were established and they stayed. People became more educated. It was an industry that people wanted to go into. So the expertise is there. And even though the tax incentive is like pretty much gone and will go away as we go towards tax harmonization, the quality, I guess, of the talent available remains. Obviously, we are the only English-speaking country now in the EU post-Brexit. So that has a huge benefit, particularly if you're trying to bridge US, Europe and Asia. So it just makes it a little bit easier Obviously, from a time zone perspective, it's easier within Ireland to capture more of the the globe. So, you know, you would go over like Singapore, maybe like seven, eight hours. LATAM could be between two and five hours, depending on which countries, you know, like if we're thinking about a Brazil, obviously Colombia, uh, Chile, Argentina, there'd be a bit of a difference there. But if you got your big financial centers in Brazil, 
it makes it a lot easier. And even West Coast of the US is a little bit more palatable for people. You know, you compare it to Singapore and I had a lot of colleagues that would be taking calls at 6 a.m. and having final calls nearly around midnight, you know, to try and stay in touch with their their counterparties and with their subsidiaries. So they'd be some of the bigger uh, concerns and reasons, I guess, to to locate in Ireland. So the skill workforce, time zone, language. We have the euro, obviously, which makes it a lot easier in terms of currency exposure for mainland Europe, but then also looking at whatever currency pairs and um, like being liquid in terms of sterling and dollar. Banking framework, I think, SEPA is obviously a big thing. So we can, you know, look to make a lot cheaper payments being based out of or having your, your treasury centre bank accounts in Ireland. What else would I say? I think even then from a, a common law perspective. So I think our legal framework is probably more conducive to business. Obviously, the UK being such an important market for a lot of companies, it's on a par. So our, our, our legal uh, framework would be similar. So I think just a lot around that. And again, just that ancillary service, we've got a lot of really good international law firms here, uh, tax advisors, like the usual big four and accountancy um, bodies. So like the, the structure is here to easily set up and do business in Ireland. And lovely people, right? You mentioned legally into that. But it goes better than that. Exactly. No, it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, just list, it seems like Ireland has always been like this, um, like the UK, the bridge between the UK and the EU or Europe, yeah. mainland Europe, let's say, um, in a lot of ways and, and politically and geographically, it also serves that purpose in a lot of ways as well. So that's super interesting. But indeed, the time zone is something you never really think about. I think until you've worked for an international company where you've yeah. got to be based or work with people in completely opposite time zones, you don't really realize just how important that is to just s- smooth business. Yeah. Yeah. And that ease of business overall. Yeah. And, you know, like with Treasury, as it were, a risk function, like if something goes wrong, you know, you really need to be able to get people and, you know, thinking about, OK, where would banks be open? So, for example, being based in Ireland, I can manage cash in the US and I can also manage it in Asia. And, you know, I can consolidate it. I can invest it so I can be a lot more efficient through the day mm. uh, in terms of what you need to do. But absolutely, as I said, you know, colleagues in, in Singapore, I really felt for them, you know, and. and yeah hours that they have to work and it goes back you know thinking about attracting talent which is a problem across all industries at the moment if you want to give people that work-life balance you know you don't really want to have them up at dawn and then go to bed sort of you know 18 hours later you mentioned the ifsc yes Um, could you just like touch on that a little bit more what exactly is that what do they do so it was the international financial services center that was its its title and it's in Dublin city centre. So it was an area, I suppose, that was undeveloped along what would have been Dockland a couple of years ago. And it was really a government initiative together supported with the IDA, which is the Development Authority um, responsible for bringing in foreign direct investment into Ireland and still is, I suppose, in building those relationships and promoting Ireland as a, a place to do business. Um, but within companies that were registered, in that region, so within this particular Dawkins area, would be able to avail of a 10% tax rate. So that really, it was all about regenerating the area and bringing employment and, you know, putting Ireland on the map. So obviously a lot of international companies decided to set up there. When I left college, I actually joined the Avianamro IFSC. So that was responsible for managing the outsourced treasury services for a lot of international companies. 
and it was a very easy add-on. So if the bank had a relationship in the U.S. with a U.S. multinational, it was very easy for them to say, okay, if you want to move your intercompany netting, so the process for paying your intercompany invoices, move it to this IFSC company, they'll be able to do that for you on an outsourced basis. And then that company could avail of a 10% tax rate. So it would be a spin-off of those U.S. companies managed by, you know, Citibank had theirs, Bank of America, JP Morgan, a lot of the bigger banks had this IFSC model. Maybe leading to this uh, organism, uh, those islands enable those best-in-class type of treasury centers that we that we mentioned earlier. Is it is it proper for that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, again, it goes down to the experience and the the quality of talent, but also the fact that the IFSC is such an established structure and well-known, you know, it also has attracted a lot of funds. So a lot of funds are Irish registered. You know, I think predominantly in Europe, it would be Ireland or maybe Luxembourg as where uh, hedge funds would be registered because of that expertise that has been accumulated. So a lot of people will come to Ireland with their financial services requirements because of the talent, because of the infrastructure. You know, I mentioned we have all of our um, legal supports. You've got a lot of tax companies based here and a lot of the banks are headquartered here. So we've got all of the big players would, again, not necessarily be within that remit of the the IFSC now. But certainly if you go along the the Liffey in Ireland, um, you'll see a lot of the big global banks have, you know, a very large presence in Ireland to support with Brexit. Obviously, you know, that... We've got a few new um, joiners, but, you know, what you need in terms of supporting your treasury and supporting the financial piece of your business is available in Ireland.